0: well good morning to you maranatha Maranatha. our lord comes aren't you glad you know the one song that we sang just a few moments ago that talked about how the future is in god's hands what's coming he already has planned out he is a sovereign god that we can trust to the uttermost knowing that we are in his care um How wonderful is that? Especially as you turn the news on or you listen to talk radio or or you read a newspaper, uh, you realize that we are in some extremely troubling and difficult days. Uh, Last week we started this sermon. And uh, basically what prompted this sermon was some of the things that are going on in the Middle East... And many of you had questions, and your question is, Pastor Rick, what is going on? And this is part two of what is going on. Uh, one of the things that I, I, I want to remind you of as we get into this this morning, and we conclude uh, this, this sermon, this series on, on what is going on, I want to remind you of what First Thessalonians chapter 5 says. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5, verse 1. 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5, verse 1. This is the first book that the Apostle Paul ever wrote. This is his first epistle. And I think one of the major themes in this first epistle is the coming of the Lord Jesus, the rapture, but also the day of the Lord. And as we've studied so many different times, the rapture takes place before the tribulation or before the day of the Lord. Uh, and at the end of the tribulation is the second coming of Christ. So we have the rapture that takes place at the be, be, uh, right before the tribulation. Matter of fact, that's what kicks off the tribulation. And the good news is that God has not given us, uh, uh, we've not been appointed to wrath. And it's during the tribulation that God's wrath is poured out uh, in its undiluted form. Uh, And so we've not been appointed to wrath. But as we have the Word of God, as we are able to study the Word of God, as we have the Holy Spirit who directs us in our study of the Word of God, Paul says something to this church in Thessalonica in chapter uh, chapter 5, verse 1. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord, that's the tribulation, so comes as the thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as travail, upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But you, brothers, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. But you are all children of the light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others. Let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of wrath and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but obtained salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. That deliverance that we're going to experience from Him is the rapture, which is our blessed hope. That which takes place, hopefully, soon. I believe it's going to take place soon. I believe that everything that's going on in the Middle East, everything that's that's about to boil and come to a head all has to do with those prophecies, those prophetic prophetic utterances that have to do with the second coming of Christ. And Christ told his people, he he gave those prophecies, he gave those signs, those wonders, they're going to be happening in the last days. Of course, we know there are no prophecies that have to be fulfilled before the rapture. The rapture can take place at any second, like maybe before I'm finished preaching. Are you ready? You need to be ready. Don't wait until the end of the sermon because if you've never placed your faith and trust in Christ, the rapture of the church could take place while I'm mid-sentence. So what you need to understand is that time is important and that Christ is going to return for His church, His body. And then after that, the tribulation, because the church, the body has not been appointed to wrath, and that's when God's wrath is, is being poured out. And all the things that are happening around the world, I think, are things that are taking place that are not signs for the rapture. But if we're starting to see signs and wonders and prophecies uh, coming together, the stage being set, the the players uh, mounting that stage... If those things concerning the second coming of Christ, which happens seven years after the rapture, if those things we're starting to observe, how much closer are we to the rapture when we're going to be caught up to be with the Lord in the air? You see, before God declares war, and that's what the tribulation is, before before any nation declares war, what does it always do? It always calls its ambassadors home. And so we, as members of the body of Christ, we are going to be called home. So the things that we're going to look at today um, are taking place during the tribulation period. We're out of here. But because we, it's not going to catch us off guard, it's not going to ca- ca- catch us wondering what's going on. When we see all these things happening, when we see all this saber rattling, when we see all of the the crazy, mixed-up, chaotic things taking place. Um, We know that the rapture of the church is close, that God is going to come for His people. The Middle East today is a powder keg. It is an absolute powder keg. And there are nations that have declared that Israel has no right to exist. There are nations that that despise Israel, that despise the United States. There are nations that would love to come against Israel, and a lot of the things that you're seeing, I think, are starting to point toward that. A lot of the anti-Semitic issues that you're hearing, a lot of the the different things that that are taking place, is causing something incredible to happen. What's What's happening is, as we mentioned last week, this is all review, right? What happened, or what's happening with all these anti-Semitic, all of these frightening things that are being zeroed in on the Jewish community, it is causing the nation of Israel to issue a, y'all come home to the Jews. You'll be safe here. You come back. There is an, uh, an absolute outpouring of welcoming to the Jews around the country especially in those areas where they're under persecution and so that gathering that's going to take place is part of what we're going to be looking at as we get into Ezekiel 38 and 39. Matter of fact there's two reasons for that calling one is uh, because of all the persecution and Both political and and spiritual. Uh, The main reason is because God says in his word, there's going to be that gathering. They're going to come. God's going to call them and they're going to come home. God's word says it. I believe it. That actually settles it whether I believe it or not. Amen? That's going to take place. But you have the spiritual aspect of it that the Holy Spirit is going to be moving and people are going to fear for their life, So they're going, to, uh, they're going to go to their homeland. And even though they might have been born here or born some other place, they're still considering that their homeland. And you're going to see a, 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 a mass exodus into, uh, out of our country in, into there. The second thing, as we mentioned last week, and this is incredibly important. It has to do with the demographics of the nation of Israel. If they want to remain a democracy and they do, what is something they have to continue to do? outnumber the Arab citizens because they all have a right to vote, and right now they outnumber them, but quickly that 's changing, and so what they 're wanting to do is get these citizens uh, get these these Jews to come home in order to cause the population. Uh, so that so that uh, the Jews can maintain a homeland, that's all part of it. That's the political aspect of it, and so you're you're you know they're thinking. what a minute, if we're if we're going to maintain this as a Jewish uh, homeland, a Jewish nation, we better get more voters here, so that uh, we don't get outnumbered. So that's part of what's going on. And so as we watch the news. And we see all the saber-rattling. We hear all these different nations that are talking about um, detesting Israel, and our country too, by the way, and, and doing things that I think have impact, or, or the Word of God has impact on. Wouldn't it be something if there was a Scripture someplace in the Bible that lists all of those nations that are in the news and lists those nations that are part of this stirring stuff up, that kind of gave us an idea of what's going to be happening in the last days, what's going to to uh, push a lot of this stuff happening. Matter of fact, Tim, put that map up there. If there, you can't hardly see it. I wish I had a pointer. I mean, I do, but it's, I don't have a light on the end of my finger. But there you go. But do you see that little red? You see the red? You know which country that is? That's Israel. All of these other countries, we know which, who they are. Do these countries have a, um, a religion? Yeah, and what are those countries? The Islamic. The Islamic. Do they love or hate Israel? Now, you look at all of those land masses, but they want that little sliver. What does that tell you? It tells you it's spiritual. It tells you it's spiritual. It's, it's, it's not because they don't have enough land. It's, it's spiritual. And so, boy, if, if all of a sudden Iraq and Iran and Syria and even those Russian nations of uh, Turkmenistan and uh, all the ones that I can't pronounce if they are mentioned in scripture and they're already showing themselves to be hostile toward Israel then it kind of gives you an idea of what's going what's going on so this morning i want us to look at ezekiel 38 Remember last week, Ezekiel 36 and 37 was all about the gathering, that God's going to gather Israel. There's going to be the restoration of Israel, that God is going to take up His work, His business with His uh, chosen people. See, today in this present dispensation, God is working through the church, the body of Christ. During this present dispensation, God is no respect of persons. God is not working through the nation of Israel or any nation today. What God is working through, who God is working through, is you, the church, the body of Christ, worldwide. But as soon as the rapture takes place, all those prophetic scriptures concerning the nation of Israel and God's plan for Israel, that, that prophetic clock is going to start ticking again. And when it does, a lot of different things are going to be set in motion. We 36, 37, it's all about the gathering of Israel. And that gathering of Israel is extremely important into what chapters 38 and 39 are about. They are about the battle of Gog and Magog. Well, Gog and Magog, that's silly. When does that battle happen? Now, we have to... We have to point out a couple of things here as we look at this this battle. You have in Ezekiel 38 and 39. Well, turn to Ezekiel 38. Let's look at verse 1. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him. And say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O God, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. Then it goes on to describe a horrific war that's going to take place. It's going to describe a war where these, na- well, not these, well, those nations that were up there, those nations are, that are mentioned here are going to come against the nation of Israel. And part of that is because of what's taking place in 36 and 37, that gathering of Israel. And they're not going to like that. Plus, the rapture takes place. And when the rapture takes place, someone comes on the scene. Someone comes to give an explanation. I think, first of all, where all those pesky Christians went. And second, they're going to be a world leader. They're going to be someone who's going to be so charismatic He's going to be someone that the world is going to go. Finally, a leader we can trust. A leader that we can love. A leader that we can get behind. A leader that's going to lead us into a new world government. That's going to introduce us to a new world religious system. Which, by the way, is being worked on right now. I mean, you can, you can bet that whenever you see the Pope... And an imam hand in hand and kissing on one another, that there are serious problems. And you have other, you have Hindu, you have Buddhist, you have uh, Jews, you have, you have and, and even Christians get into that, heaven help them. But you have all of them coming together and basically saying, Kumbaya, let's just get along, let's hold hands, let's love on one another, and let there be peace. Well, I'm all for peace, but I'm not for compromising the Word of God. I'm not for not preaching the gospel, not preaching that there's only there's only one person that's the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by Him, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. That there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And so you have all of these nations that have this religious Bent this, this, this religion that are going to be the ones that are going to come against uh, Israel. And in Ezekiel 38 is called Gog in the land of Magog. But then you also hear about this same group of people or this same in, in Re- Revelation. Turn to Revelation 20 verse 8. Revelation 20, verse 8. Well, let's start with verse 7. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. So you've got in Ezekiel 38, Gog and Magog. You have uh, in Revelation 20, Gog and Magog. Then you have another battle here in the end of the tribulation. And it's called what? The battle of Armageddon or the battle of Megiddo. So you either have two battles that are the same. Or, or, I mean, one group that's the same. And then the battle of Armageddon that, that's different. And I propose that what we have here in in, uh, Ezekiel 38 is a battle of Gog and Magog that is different from the battle in the end of Revelation, but it is the same religious system that forms Ezekiel 38. That is the exact same ancient religion that has been cultivated, that has changed somewhat, but it goes back to Ur the Chaldees when Abraham was instructed by God to give up that, that religion of worshiping of the moon god where the crescent moon was part of their, uh, uh, whatever you call it. Anyway, it was, it was their symbol. For the moon god, uh, they called him Nana, and they called him Ilala, and that kind of shortened to Allah. So it goes all the way back, this ancient religion, to a a religious system that had the same demonic spirit, that has the same philosophy, that was contrary to God. As a matter of fact, we get a glimpse of it at the Tower of Babel. At the Tower of Babel, when they are trying to build this, this uh, temple, this, this tower, to reach up into heaven, they weren't trying to reach God. They were studying the stars. They were studying the sun. They were studying the moon. As a matter of fact, they had a sun god. Her name was Sin. Boy, that's appropriate, isn't it? Her name was Sin. And they had a moon god. His name was Nana or Allah, and those two married, and the stars were their children. Oh, it just gets really weird, so I'm not going to get into that, but it is the same religious system, the same conflict of the ages that started there, and God came down, and he saw their rebelliousness, because what had God told them to do? Multiply and replenish the earth for them to go and fill up the earth. What were they saying there in, in uh, Genesis chapter 11? Hey, let's make a name for ourselves. Let's build a city. Let's, let's stay here and, and let's be somebody. When God was saying, I want you to spread out. And they were all of one language. And so God confused the language and that spread them. But there, there was rebellion. Matter of fact, the, the Tower of Babel. It's, it's pointed out when you do a study that we find out that the, the Tower of, uh, uh, of Babel was was made of of slime of slime and tar where the new the new jerusalem you you compare what what satan had going on there to what god has in his holy city i mean that's sermon material right there one of these days we might do it and do a comparison but that's the conflict of the ages, and that is what we're seeing to do, uh, seeing today. I believe that the battle of Gog and Magog in Ezekiel 38 and 39 is a battle that takes place uh, immediately following the rapture of the church. Because immediately after the rapture of the church, I mean, there are two distinct battles. You've got the one at the beginning of the tribulation and the one at the end of the millennial reign of Christ when Satan is loose out of the, out of the bottomless pit, and he, get, he comes out and he shows that he hasn't changed, and what's he's a, what is he able to do? He's able to raise up another army to come against God. So it shows you two things. It shows you, number one, Satan hasn't changed, and number two, people really haven't changed. They're still falling for Satan's lie, because during the tribulation, it's Satan who's going to be worshipped. And oh, that's what he wants. It's through the beast. The false prophet is going to cause the beast to be worshipped all the way through the tribulation, especially the last three and a half years. So at the, at the beginning of that tribulation period, you are going to have uh, the, the, the rapture of the church takes place. Then there's there will there be this, this gathering uh, of, of Israel. And the beast the Antichrist, he enters into a covenant relationship with which group of people? Israel, with the Jews. He signs a covenant according to Daniel chapter 9. He gets Israel to sign a covenant, or Israel gets him to sign a covenant. Part of that covenant agreement is going to be acknowledging them as a nation, and they're going to be saying peace and safety, and oh boy, we're in the money. And that's something that's going to have to take place because something's going to have to be built during that time. And that's the temple. Because three and a half years into the tribulation, uh, this beast, this Antichrist, goes in and commits the abomination of desolation. He goes into the temple. So if he goes into the temple, what does that tell us? It has to be built. Is it built now? No, but they sure are talking about it. As we found out last week, all of the all of the garb, all of the instruments, all of the furniture—that's ready to move in. They just don't have the building yet. But see, there's coming a time, and I think it's at the beginning of that tribulation period, when uh, they're going to sign that covenant with that antichrist, with that beast. They're going to see him as a somewhat of a savior. They're going to see him as somebody that they are. Wanting to jump on his bandwagon. Talking about the Jews. Talking about Israel. Here's what you need to understand. The Arab nations. Believe that there's coming. A false Messiah. They believe that there is going to be a man. That's going to come and be pro-Israel. And they are going to hate him. They are going to desire to destroy him. And so when you've got the gathering of Israel, and you've got this beast that I think that Islam, the Muslims are going to recognize him as being Antichrist. I mean, they're not right either. And you can't trust their prophecy. But see, it doesn't matter whether their prophecy is right or wrong. It's wrong. It's what they think, right? And as soon as they understand that Israel is, is in cahoots with this guy, this world leader, they are going to march, according to Ezekiel 38 and 39, against Israel. And that's to destroy Israel. Except something's going to happen along the way, as we're going to read about. So, but how do we know that they, those, the battle of Gog and Magog at the beginning, and the battle of Gog and Magog at the end of the millennial are two different ones? Well, as we're going to see in the, the Battle of Gog and Magog in, in 38 and 39, after that battle, it's going to take them seven years to clean up. That's what the scriptures tell us: Seven years for them to, to clean up the dead bodies that are going to take place. Well, after the Battle of Gog and Magog, what's the next thing at the in, in end the, in of the millennium? What's the next thing on the agenda? The great white throne judgment, a new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem. So if you're going to make something new, you don't need to clean it up, right? So you have seven years to clean up the mess that takes place at the beginning of the tribulation, this first battle of Gog and Magog, when these nations are gathered together against Israel to stop that gathering, because during that gathering... During that gathering, you need to understand there is going to be a revival of biblical Judaism. They are going to be preaching during this time with the two witnesses. God knows who they are. There are going to be two witnesses that are going to be active during the first three and a half years. They are going to be preaching the gospel of the kingdom. We preach the gospel of the grace of God today. They're going to be preaching. They're two, uh, two separate good news, but today we only preach the gospel of the grace of God. Let's make sure. We don't preach two gospels today. There's only one gospel, but after the church is raptured and the gospel of the grace of God it's going to come to a screeching halt as the church who've, who've benefited where it's made up, the body of Christ made up of Jew and Gentile, we're going to be caught up to be with the Lord in the air seated in the heavenlies with him then it is the gospel of the kingdom the good news of the kingdom that Christ talked about in Matthew 24 is going to be preached and as it's preached those that are preaching it will not have time to go to all the cities of Jerusalem before the Lord returns so it's the gospel, that the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom, that the Messiah, the true Messiah is coming, the true Messiah is going to establish his throne, just what the prophet said, just as the Davidic throne is going to be set up, that the, the, the millennial kingdom is going to be established, it's during this tribulation period that Christ uh, is going to be preached as the true Messiah, there are going to be millions, millions are going to be saved. Uh, Look at Revelation 14.6. Revelation 14.6. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and people, tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment is come and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of water. Look at uh, uh, Revelation 7. start with verse 9. Revelation 7 verse 9. And after this I beheld and lo a great multitude which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. And he cried with a loud voice saying salvation to our God which sits upon the throne and to the Lamb. Now this is during the tribulation period. John uh, it's been taken into the day of the Lord, into the tribulation. And these are the things that he's, he's seeing. And all the angels stood about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell down before the throne on their faces and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, Who are these which are arrayed in white robes and where do they come from? And I said unto him, Sir, you know. And he said unto me, These are they which came out of the great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night. So we know that the ministry of the two witnesses, we know that the ministry of the 144,000 that are going to be sealed, they are going to be so Actively preaching the gospel of the kingdom during that tribulation period, especially the first three and a half years, that is going to get the attention of the beast, the Antichrist. So, back to Ezekiel 38. I'm trying to hurry because I know we want to get all this in. Ezekiel 38, verse 1. See, Danny, some things never change, right? And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, get. Set thy face against Gog in the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him. And say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. Well, where is Meshach and Tubal? It is Turkey, and it's southern Russia. Put that uh, map back up there, Tim. And Tubal, which is also part of Turkey. If I had a pointer, I'd show that up there. But you find Turkey, and that Tubal is down part of the southern, uh, right, right above Syria. And I will turn thee back and put hooks into thy jaws, and I will bring thee forth. And, your, and all of your army horses and horsemen, all of them clothed with all sorts of armor, even a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. Persia, where's Persia? That's Iran, yeah. And Ethiopia and Libya, were those up there on the map? Yeah, with them. And all of them with shield and helmet. Gomer, that's West Turkey. And all his bands in the house of uh, uh, Tugarma, that's part of Turkey. Uh, Of the northern quarters and all of his bands and many people with him, with thee. That's other Islamic nations, Iraq, Syria, Jordan, Egypt. Be thou prepared and prepared for thyself, thou and all thy company that are assembled unto thee, and be thou a guard unto them. And after many days thou shalt be visited in the latter years. That's how we know this is talking about in the latter years. You're going to be visited in the latter years. Thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword and the gathered out of many people. Well, we won't take the time to go into all the different scripture that talks about that gathering. We looked at them last week. But there's... Talking about the nation of Israel that's been gathered out of many people against the mountains of Israel, which hath been always wasted, but is brought forth out of the nations, and they shall dwell safely, all of them. And thou shalt ascend and come like a storm, thou shalt be like a cloud to cover the land. Thou and all thy bands and many people with thee. And thus saith the Lord God. It shall also come to pass that at the same time shall things come into your mind. And thou shalt think an evil thought. Again, all of these Islamic nations. And thou shalt say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages. You know why they don't have walled villages? It's because their safety. Israel is at peace temporarily. They've signed this covenant with this beast, with this Antichrist. And so they have no need for walled cities at that time. And I will go to them that are at rest and that dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates. They're at peace. To take a spoil and to take a prey, to turn thy hand upon the desolate places that are now inhabited and upon the people that are gathered out of the nations. Again, that's Israel, which have gotten cattle and goods that dwell in the midst of the land and Sheba, and Dedan. That's Saudi Arabia. And the merchants of Tarshish, that's Spain, with all the young lions thereof shall say unto thee, Art thou come to take spoil? Hast thou gathered thy company to take prey, to carry away silver and gold, to take away cattle and goods, to take great spoil? Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say unto God, Thus saith the Lord God, In that day when my people of Israel dwelleth safely, shalt thou not know know it? It's a question. And thou shalt come from thy place out of the north parts, thou and many people with thee, all of them riding upon horses and great company and a mighty army. And thou shalt come up against my people of Israel as a cloud to cover the land, and shall be in the latter days. And I will bring thee against my land, that the Gentiles... That the heathen may know me, which when I shall be sanctified in thee, O God, before their eyes. Now, there's one main reason that God's doing this. Number one, so that the Gentiles will know who the true God of heaven is. And the second is so the people of Israel, who are listening to the gospel of the kingdom, are going to know who God is. Because, uh, look at Ezekiel thirty-nine twenty-two. So the house of Israel shall know that I am the Lord their God from that day and forward. So God's doing this. This whole purpose is for Israel to know that he is Jehovah. That the true God is Jehovah. Now, a main point, quickly, a main point is that at the battle of Armageddon, and you can go to Revelation 19 and study the the battle of Armageddon, um, the, uh, or the, the battle of Megiddo in, in Revelation 14 all same, same battle and Zechariah 14 Zechariah 14 same battle Th- that battle of Armageddon includes all the nations of the world all the nations of the world are going to come against Israel including this nation that I love but see, when the church is raptured out, the Christian influence won't be here anymore. And so there's going to be pretty devastating. But all the nations at the Battle of Armageddon are going to come against Israel. Actually, they're not just coming against Israel. When you go to Revelation 19, you find out that the beast and the false prophet are leading these captains and kings. They're leading this, this nation, uh, uh, of this, this army army. And they're leading it to do battle against the Lamb. See, they're coming against Israel. They're coming against the Lamb. Because at that point, the beast is being worshipped as the Messiah. The beast is being held up as being the true Messiah. The world is worshipping him. They're taking his mark. You can't buy, sell, or trade unless you take that mark. It is going to be such a, a... uh, a, a world religion to the point that that uh, everyone is going to be worshiping him except those who believe that Jesus is the true Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth, and they're going to believe that Christ is the true Messiah. They're going to believe the gospel of the kingdom. And what's going to happen to the majority of them, except for 144,000 that are sealed from, from 12,000 12, out of every tribe, the rest of them are going to be martyred. The rest of them are going to lose their heads. The beast is so cruel. And if you're not worshiping him, it's, uh, it's going to be pretty bad. So he's leading that war in Revelation 19, but it's all nations that come against Israel. The battle of Gog and Magog, it's a limited number. It's Islamic. And here's what happens. Those Islamic nations come against Israel, and Israel takes a defensive posture and wipes them out, wipes them out. So the Islamic horde, the Islamic threat, is no more. But the worship of the moon god and the great whore that that the beast... Just because that threat is over does not mean that, oh, okay, we can rely... Well, we can because we're in heaven. But what the beast is going to do is going to make Islamic fundamentalist seem like a Sunday school picnic. And that takes place at the beginning... That- That first battle takes place at the beginning of the tribulation. When Israel is gathering, they sign a covenant with the beast. The gospel of the kingdom is being proclaimed. And they're going to stop it. And so they come against Israel. Verse 17 of Ezekiel 38. And thus saith the Lord God, Art thou he of whom I have spoken in old time by my servants, the prophets of Israel, which prophesied in those days many years that I would bring thee against them? And it shall come to pass at the same time when Gog shall come against the land of Israel, saith the Lord God, that my fury shall come up in my face. For in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath have I spoken. Surely in that day there shall be a great shaking in the land of Israel. And he goes on to talk about what he's going to do. But look at chapter 39. Therefore, verse 1, therefore thy son of man prophesy against Gog and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. And I think Gog is that demonic, just like there was a prince of Grisha, there's a, there was a prince of Persia that Michael and Gabriel had to fight coming to Daniel. I think this Gog represents that demonic prince that's going to be at the spirit of, of uh, well, the Antichrist for sure, but, but this Islamic, Islamic threat. Verse 2, and I will turn thee back and leave but the sixth part of thee, and will cause thee to come up from the north parts, and I will bring thee upon the mountains of Israel, and I will smite thy bow out of thy left hand, and shall cause thy arrows to fall out of thy right hand. In other words, when these nations come against Israel, God's going to make their weapons useless. And thou shalt fall upon the mountains of Israel, thou and all thy bands, and the people that is with thee. I will give thee unto the ravenous birds of every sort, and to the beasts of the field to be devoured. And thou shalt fall upon the open field, for I have spoken it, saith the Lord God. And I will send a fire on Magog, that's the land, those are the nations, and among them that dwell carelessly in the isles, and they shall know that I am the Lord. And so will I make my holy name known. In the midst of my people Israel, and I will not let them pollute my holy name any more. And the heathen or the Gentiles shall know that I am the Lord God, the Holy One in Israel. Behold, it is come, it is done, saith the Lord God. And this is this is the day whereof I have spoken. And they that dwell in the cities of Israel shall go forth. And shall, and shall set on fire and burn the weapons, both the shields and the bucklers and the bows and the arrows and the handstays and the spears. And they shall burn them with fire seven years. That seven years, I think, is a, a reference to the tribulation. They're going to they're gonna start burning that stuff seven years. If this is at the end of the millennial kingdom, why, why burn it? Because what's, what's God going to do after the thousand years? Go to 1 Peter 2. Uh, there's going to be a great fire. God's going to burn it up. He's going to make a new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem. Verse 10, so that they shall take no wood out of the field, neither cut down any out of, it, out of the forest. For they shall burn the weapons with fire, and they shall spoil those that spoil them, and rob those that rob them, saith the Lord God. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will give unto Gog a place there of graves in Israel, and the valley of the passengers on the east of the sea, and it shall stop the noses of the passengers. And there shall they bury Gog and his multitude, and they shall call it the valley of Hamon And seven months shall the house of Israel be burying of them, that they may cleanse the land. Yea, all the people of the land shall bury them, and it shall be to them a renowned that the day that I shall be glorified, saith the Lord God, and they shall sever out men of continual employment. There are going to be so many bodies to bury because of Israel's retaliation that it's going to be a full-time job. full-time job burying them. All this takes place at the beginning of the tribulation. So with all this saber-rattling, with all of these threats, with all the stuff that's going on, what I want you to know is what we as believers in Christ do is be still and know that I'm God. Be still and know that He is in control. He is going to have His perfect way. He is going to have His perfect will. We can trust Him. He has it all planned out. He is not going to allow His holy name to be mocked, ridiculed forever. So when you see all of these things happening, let's agree to do this. Let's agree not to think, because I'm guilty of this at times, folks. I'm guilty of saying, God, get them oh, don't, don't let them get away. When they, when they say bad things about America, they say bad things about, and, and you see some of the things that they're doing. My natural reaction is, God, get them. Don't let them get away with that. What we need to be doing is praying, Lord, may the Holy Spirit move on their hearts that they might see you are the true God of heaven. That's what we need to be preaching. And do you know where the fastest growing church is today? Iran. Iran has the fastest growing church in the world. So let's join those who are praying for that. That God's going to have his perfect way. He's got it all here. We just, as believers, it's not going to catch us by, by surprise. We, we need to search the scriptures. We need to know what the timeline is. And just start feeling lighter. Because I think the rapture is coming. Are you prepared? Hey, the rapture didn't happen while I preached it. So if you don't know Christ, you still have time. As God offers His grace, that marvelous gift to all who believe. Who by faith believe that Christ died for their sins. By faith they believe he was buried. By faith they believe he rose again. That's what God says you have to do in order to be his. Is to believe the gospel. And thou shalt be saved. And here's the good part. Here's the good part. When you do what God says that you have to do to to be saved, and that's to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe the gospel. God starts His work in your life. There are no works involved in your life. I mean, there, there are works after you get saved, before your salvation. There are no works. God begins His work in molding and shaping and conforming you to the image of His Son. That's something He's taken on Himself. But once you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, And you understand what he's done on your behalf, the desire should be to serve him all the days of your life. Understanding that heaven is your home, not hell. Understanding that you've been made a new creation. You're no longer in the old man, you're in the new man. That's what God does when a person believes, he makes you a new creation. And your standing before Him changes, not because of your own works, not because of your own deeds, not because of your own efforts, but because He shed His blood on Calvary's cross for you, and by faith, you believe it. Let's pray. Father, we come before You, and we thank You for that plan of salvation. Father, we thank You for the death of Christ on Calvary's cross. And Father as we see the world just in turmoil Father we know that every day that it's like this that that gives us the body of Christ, the church more time to share the gospel. Father more time to tell people that Jesus saves. May we be faithful in doing that. May we not hold back telling folks that the tomb is empty father how we long for that rapture how we long to see you face to face father we thank you that it's because of what you've done on our behalf that we know that heaven is our home and we thank you in the name of Jesus Christ who is Lord of all. Amen.